Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SIGCAST. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being with us. We are here with our 12 Guru Series, 1469 to infinity. And with me today, I have Indapreet Singh. Indapreet Singh, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Vaheguru Ji Ka Khalsa, Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh. Vaheguru Ji Ki Fateh. And today, we are going to talk about Guru Amar Das Ji. Indapreet, uh, please take it away. Talk about the agenda, and then we'll get into it in our discussion. Continuing on with the series, we are now on Nanak the Third, Guru Amar Das Sahib. Um, and I want to start by, there's an essay on Guru Amar Das Sahib, uh, which is actually from uh, a Bani, uh, uh, Guru Granth Sahib, which uh, explains that Guru Amar Das has, has no one that can compare to him. So the name of the essay is Incomparable Prophet by Sadar Kapoor Singh. And he actually translates this line from Bani, Pale Amar Gdas Gun Tere, Teri Upma Tohe Banaave. And he literally just translates that whole line as Guru Amar Das is the incomparable prophet. So uh, we're going to talk from all different sources, like I've, I've said in the past, but I really recommend after this, if you are interested in Guru Amar Das's, uh life and, and kind of contribution, and for those that who have never uh, read Sadar Kapoor Singh, uh, this is probably a good start. It's like uh, maybe a five or six pages uh, essay, uh, and, it's, and it's worth reading. Oh, one more thing that I wanted to bring up. It was, you know, as I was brushing up and get, getting ready for this, I mean, we've done a lot of reading, uh, and I've done a lot of uh, uh, work on history and Guru Amar Das Sahib as well. But one of the interesting facts that one of the writers pointed out as I was reading through was that, you know, during the time of Guru Amar Das Sahib, or, or that, that time frame, four gurus were alive on this earth at the same time. Guru Amar Das Ji was uh, only 10 years uh, younger to Guru Nanak Sahib, right? So Guru Nanak Sahib is in either in Talwandi or, you know, eventually settles in Kartarpur. Guru Amar Das Ji is in, from a village which is called Basarke. Uh, again, geography-wise, it's, it's tough to do it on audio, but, you know, if you had a map of Punjab in front of you, you can see that not, 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 things aren't too far away from each other. Um, Guru Angad Sahib is from Kadur, as, as we, uh, we learned last time, Kadur Sahib. Uh, I was, obviously, Guru Amar Das Ji uh, meets with Guru Angad Sahib um, after Guru Nanak passes away, but, um, you know, at that same time, they were, they were all three of them alive. And the more interesting thing is, Guru Ram Das Ji's Nanke, or Pai Jetha Ji, we're going to talk about him next time, his Nanke are from the same pen as Guru, Guru uh, Amar Das Ji. But his, obviously his, uh, um, you know, father and mother are further away in, in, in different towns that I can't recall right now. But, but the point is, very interestingly, four gurus are traveling this earth. One or two are getting in touch with each other based on the time and the context. And, and this is also the, the how Guru Amar Das Ji came into Sikhi, fell at the feet of Guru Angad Sahib, is also because of time and context, and you know when when the um, when when the moment was was right. Um, Guru Amardas, he well-established family. He was a Vaishnavite, right? Vaishnav, 
um, very uh, um, inclined to do pilgrimages to the Ganga River. So every year he would uh, take that pilgrimage, take a dip in the Ganga and Hardwar. Used to associate with a lot of kind of religious elite of the time. Was was from a, uh, also business uh, background as well. But one episode in his life towards the end, like in in sixty, in, while he was about sixty years old or so, one of the pundits challenged him, saying that he really hasn't taken on a, a single guru per se. He's very religious, running his his whole life like like anyone would in those days, but. That that bear bore upon him quite a bit. That he 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 was challenged that he didn't have a guru who, which he who he had submitted to. Again, just like in the time of Guru Angad Sahib Ji, is running his life according to a particular way, but then gets touched by the sound of Guru Nanak's bani. The same scenario also uh, takes place in in the case of Guru Amardasi. It just so happens that Guru Amadasi's brother, his, uh, uh, Guru Amadasi's brother's son is married to the daughter of Guru Angad Sam, Bibi Amro. And Bibi Amro, as per her upbringing, and, you know, having the Guru, so, so obviously Guru Amadasi, because of the wedding or everything, may have encountered Guru Angad Sam, but his life situation was not such that he needed to engage at that spiritual level or, or at any level with Guru Angad Sam. Probably every day, Bibi Amroji was reciting Jabji Sahib or reciting the Bani of Guru Nanak. But when he comes back from that last pilgrimage from the Ganga and the Pandit had, and the Brahmin had challenged him, you know there was that opening in the heart that something is missing. I need to get, I need to get something done. And multiple texts with, will tell you Bibi Amroji was reciting Jabji Sahib and a line from Jabji Sahib struck him. Or um, you know uh, another uh, shabad of Guru Nanak struck him, but the fact of the matter is, the shabad struck him. That's what changed. At least the the first step began with the strike of the shabad, which is you know for me a very powerful aspect. The shabad is the one that transforms, you know, um, and, and that transforms from from the inside. And not only that, the second thing I like to point out all the time to everyone, by the way, who was the first Sikh of, of Guru Nanak? was a woman, Bibi Nanki. Who was the, um, you know, um, kind of uh, the first Sikh? Now, that's a, maybe a little bit of a stretch, some say, but in Guru Angad's time, Bibi Virai was the one who tried to introduce uh, Pailana to Guru, Guru Nanak the first time. So Bibi Virai was a central woman figure Sick in the in the in the life and inspiration of Guru Pailanaji as well, and, and then became you know like a, a disciple. And here we go now, third Guru, 62 years old, is like the equivalent of what's called a Sora, the father-in-law, like the father-in-law's brother, uh, is getting impacted by Shabad being sung by a sick woman, Bibi Amro. So Shabad and woman, this is the theme of actually Guru Amardas as well. <laughs> Uh, and, and we'll talk about some of the few things over there. Um, <clears throat> so, hey, Manfred, would you know what is the one thing um, that Guru Amar Dasi gave us that I would say probably 99% of all Sikhs have, have heard or uh, kind of know, like, know about? So I'm a wild guess. I'm putting you on the spot. 
He gave us an unsive. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Because probably a lot of us probably get to the Gurdwara when it's time for Pog right before Langar. And that's when an unsav is being sung. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for sure, we have somehow encountered and heard uh, an unsav. But it, it, it was really, um, uh, the history will tell you, our, our, our um, uh, oral tradition, but even textual sources have directly have said that it was in time of Guru Amar Das Ji where, you know, life cycle rituals, again, I don't want to use the word rituals in the, that kind of neg- negative connotation, but life cycle events, birth, death, marriage, becoming distinct, uh, you know, um, kind of starts getting institutionalized, starts getting really structured. And um, uh, the Anand, the Anand Sahib, you know, his revelation uh, in Rag Ramkali, Ramkali Malatija, um, starts getting used at, at those um, events. So even today, when a child is born, we say, Anandapeya Mirimai, oh, my mother, I have attained bliss. When a marriage is occurring, we say, Anandapeya Mirimai, Sadhguru Mepara. When Amrit Sanchar is taking place, we say, Anandapeya Mirimai. When the death ceremony also, after Soilas, there's a Divan always, and at the end of Divan, there's always Anandapeya Mirimai. So, Guru Amar Das has given us what really, what Anand, Anand literally translated as bliss, but he has a great line in Anand Sahib as well, which is, Anand, Anand, Sabko Kahe, Anand Guru Te Jane. The whole world keeps saying, Menu bliss, hoya, I know bliss. Oh, this, this, uh, you know, uh, this was so blissful. Everyone thinks they know bliss, but the only way to know bliss is through the Guru. The Guru is the one who bestows bliss. So, so that was one of the most, I think, impactful to the Sikh culture, Sikh psyche, Sikh, um, you can call it Mariada if you want. Um, it's been ingrained. And Anand Karaj, uh, um, also, it, it, is, it is known in the time of Guru Amar Das Ji that Anand Karaj, the beginnings of the Anand Karaj started, and, and the main point of the, over there is the Brahman was not required to perform an Anand Karaj. That episode, if I don't know if we covered it in our first uh, episode, Guru Nanak, uh, at the time of Guru Nanak and his wedding and his marriage, there was a big problem. The Brahmins didn't want to perform it because he was he was, hadn't he had rejected other rituals, and there was a big commotion. Guru Nanak is known to have written Ikonkar on a, on a pedestal or a stool. Some some uh, texts say and uh, taken for. Uh, lamas around an ikonkar. And the time, by the time of Guru Amar Das Ji, many Sikhs, they would still go to the Pandit or the, or the Brahman to get married, but the, they would reject, uh, would not um, do the, solemnize the, the marriage. And Guru Amar Das Ji then made it that we can, we will have our own marriage ceremony as well. So that's where the beginning of Anandkarans also came. So the, I, I think those, yeah, I think those are, those are some great uh, Contributions just to start with. Bani Shabbat is the contribution. Now, and I said, I said another thing about Guru Amar Das Ji was the, the what Guru Amar Das Ji and 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 his actions, his institutionalization um, in the equality of of women in our society as well. 
So, and many people probably know this, um, who are at least even uh, cursory uh, students of Sikh history and Guru Amardasi's history, is the rejection of Sati and Parda. So, um, and uh, remember this, I told you this um, essay, Incomparable Prophet, uh, Kapoor Singh lays it really right, is, is the way in Gurbani, Guru Amardasi presents uh, the idea of Sati is both acknowledging what the you know what is the conceptually the virtuous wife acknowledges that but also completely rejects that there is such a thing uh, and it's more the virtuous human and and that relationship with the divine is is what you know where the divine and, and Gurbani is all full of this uh, metaphor of wife and husband um, from 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 divine and, and human kind of thing, but um, where it's a it's a rejection of the actual forced cremation, forced burning alive of of a woman after her her, her husband dies. So he rejects that, but at the same time he explains what a true virtuous uh, wife is to be. But uh, in injunction, one one of the things that a lot of our writers present is that. Uh, Guramadasi kind of was very strict about that, and and f- forbid all the all his Sikhs and, and the women to to perform sati. Whereas Akbar, for example, who was a contemporary of the Guru at that time, even though there was uh, you know uh, some type of law to forbid sati, it was never enforced by the uh, the Muslims, by the, by the Mughal rule of that time. Um, and they, they basically turned a blind eye and allowed certain sections of the community to, to partake in this. And then it was only at the time of the British where it uh, was forbidden by law, again, not enforced. And 1947, after the British left, suddenly uh, there started being a big splurge of sati um, uh, in certain sections of India. But six uh, at least to a, a lot of extent, I know there are some stories about the time of Ranjit Singh where that this this practice horrible practice had come back in, but uh, by and large the Sikhs have avoided uh, this idea of sati um, uh, for a while, and the injunction came from Guru uh, Amadasi. The Parda uh, rejection of that, um, a very interesting story of, of that time as well is. Uh, um, um, a Raja and his multiple wives, because the the glory of Guru Amardasi started spreading far and wide, many elite started wanting to also have a uh, audience with Guru Amardasi. By the way, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit. But Guru Amardasi had another injunction: you will not have an audience with me before you go and sit in the langar and eat. And we all know the story about Akbar, but there are other Rajas who had to also go through this as well. And uh, the queens of this raja, um, uh, a few of them, uh, you know, insisted on uh, having a parda while in audience of the guru, and uh, Guru Amadasji uh, forbade that as well. And then from then on, in the presence of guru and in gurdwaras today, parda is is also uh, not not that highly looked upon. Again, it's it's raising the uh, kind of the status of women, which you know is. Definitely, if we tie it to current context, our issues we have, for example, women can't do Kirtan and Darbar Sahib, 
and, and others is that that's the uh, disconnect between the ideals and the reality for sure but i think it's worth noting in in 1500 and we're we're in, we're in the mid 1500s now gurumadasi's times which are in 74 approximately where um actively in, ensuring not just the equality but even in a lot of cases the leadership qualities and ex- exposing and enabling the leadership qualities of women to flow through is gurumadasi's uh, gift to to the Sikh uh, world and to the world in general as well. Obviously, another one. Uh, so three, uh, rejection of Sati, rejection of Parda, and the actually the encouragement of widow remarriage as well, which was another very, very oppressive social norm at the time where once, so if not uh, partaking in Sati, if you were a widow, you were shunned and considered even... Um, an outcast of an outcast, and that was also, you know, reversed uh, in Guru Amandasi's time. You know, when I first heard of uh, widow remarriage, I was like blown away because I I did grow up learning uh, very, you know, simplistically about sati and parda. But when I I was at a workshop with Sikh Research Institute many many years ago, you were there too. I don't know, this was maybe oh, okay. ten years ago. Well. <laughs> and uh, you, yeah, and you guys explained, um, you know, different gurus, and we got to Guru Amardashi and about widow remarriage. And I was just like flabbergasted. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, really? The guru did that? That is freaking amazing, really. Um, I mean, in that time, uh, to to say that and to encourage women to don't worry, you're not shunned anymore. You could remarriage, live a happy life, a new life which probably doesn't happen in India today as much as it should. And he did this so many years ago. And I, I, I don't know. I thought that was amazing. I'm like, wow, I never knew that. So that definitely blew me away. Yeah. And see what Amadasi was doing, if you, if you every action, even even this whole action of ensure, uh, requiring anyone who wants audience with him to first sit and, and eat longer. You know, we we will casually in our camps or in our Khalsa schools or even in Gurdwara say langar is about equality. It it it, it ensures uh, equality. Well, Amardas and our gurus are really putting in uh, uh, putting in systems that are going completely counter to the current uh, to that contemporary culture at the time. And as you said. That that culture still pervades in South Asia, and maybe a, a different manifestation of that culture, which is you know uh, uh, the women the women inequality aspect, um, even pervades the Western culture as well. I mean, the the right to vote for women didn't come until much much later than the time when Guru Amadas is even having these type of discussions, uh, and then the patriarchal systems are are being imposed everywhere, continue to be imposed. Again, I'm uh, the first one to admit the disconnect between ideal and, and reality, but um, you know, if we don't engage with the ideal more and really imbibe it, um, there's no chance to change the reality. Uh, and realities are uh, able to be changed through, through inspiration of Gurbani and the Guru history as well. But you know, he was forcing things that were really uncomfortable of of both the adherents who agreed to become Sikhs, but even 
those that want to interact and in this case you know have audience with 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 the uh, guru of the six uh really forcing them in, in a new sovereign lifestyle i mean no no force as in conversion you stay and you be strong in your faith as you are but when you are in you know under the sovereign canopy of of the sick the, the sick rules will apply um, is what guru amardasi and all the gurus were were instilling within us so I, uh, I, w- I wanted to go uh, t- talk about that whole Akbar ec- episode and, and you know, every single guru somehow or the other had an encounter with the sovereign power of that time, the, the political sovereign power of that time. And, you know, we talked about uh, in Guru Nanak's time it was Babur, in Guru Angadji's time it was Hamayun, and then now Akbar, who's Hamayun's son. And Akbar has a very interesting history in 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 South Asia and in India. Um, however, what maybe some people don't know is you know what was the reason? Why is it that Akbar came to visit Guru Amardasi first of all? And it was because already by the time of Guru Amardasi, the religious so religious and political elite. This is a kind of a fact that is given to us uh, also in the Guru Granth Sahib, but is a reality of, of the world and life. The religious and political elite will always connive with each other when power that they have is uh, endangered, is, is, is being challenged. And that was what was being felt by the Brahmin elite of the time through the different... And every Mughal emperor, I don't know if everybody knows this, always had a Brahmin minister. So uh, complaints go to the minister, who then has the ear of the emperor, uh, in this case Akbar, that something is aloof and you know your power is being challenged. He was summoned. Guru Amr Das Ji was summoned by Akbar initially, but no guru ever responded to a summons uh, directly. Uh, one of the texts will tell you that by Jetaji was sent. I will talk about by Jetaji maybe a little bit later, um, and. Uh, Akbar being the kind of, in some aspects of Indian history, Akbar is presented as a very progressive Mughal emperor. He was very impressed by uh, by Jetaji and therefore says, I, I do need to meet this guru. So he then ends up going towards uh, the city of Goindwalsa. Um, we got to talk about Goindwalsa as well. That's one of the most important aspects of Guru Amadasi's life as well. Goes to Goindwalsa, Injunction comes that uh, you cannot get audience of of the guru uh, until you partake in the langar. And some texts will tell you it was a very simple langar that day. Some texts will tell you it was a you know fancy langar. But point is he had to sit with everyone. No distinction, uh, no special treatment. Very different than when VIPs visit gurdwaras today. <laughs> And um, uh, then had the audience of the guru. Um, some texts are even too very, very distinct that uh, Akbar sat with the guru for two and a half hours, or some number of hours if it's been specified in some of the ancient, or not ancient, I shouldn't say ancient, but some of our original uh, historical texts. And Sabir Singh's rendition of that encounter says that Guru Ji actually made a comment that Akbar is a good listener. So he, he kind of blessed Akbar by uh, pointing out that Akbar has good listening skills because he listened to the guru for two and a half hours. So an emperor of, of, of South Asia 
did spend not not photo ops like five minutes, you know, but that they could come out, but spent two and a half hours listening to the discourse of, of Guru Amadasi, some say. So Akbar was very impressed. He offers land, Guru rejects it. No, uh, Gurus don't uh, take gifts of land from sovereign emperors, uh, but uh, different stories relate to that. But uh, land was bought uh, from um, Akbar, and uh, later on, uh, those were the areas like Amritsar, what we have today as Amritsar, etc. Now, all of this is going on. You think that there's, yeah, there's good relationship between Guru Amar Das Ji and Akbar, uh, which there are, but, you know, the fascinating Guru Amar Das Ji has other plans in action, and he says, you know, we got to divide up. The six are growing like anything. Uh, there's a little bit more systematic approach to how to keep in touch with the Sangats going all across, all the places that Guru Nanak Sahib had visited, you know, they're continuing to have that, you know, they were totally transformed with Guru Nanak's uh, encounter, but they kept in, uh, you know, the graces of Guru Angad Sahib, kept in the grace of Guru Amradas Ji, and from all the way from Kabul to all the way into the uh, east side of India, or South Asia as well, Guru Amradas Ji divides up where six are into what are called manjis. Everyone has maybe heard there are 22 manjis. What people may not know, that Akbar had divided up his kingdom into 22 subas, so districts as well. So without being right in his face and challenging Akbar, <laughs> I find this fascinating that Guru Amar Das Ji is saying, you have 22 subas for your political and you know district and, and, and management. Well, the six have 22 manjis for our, our management uh, as well. So you can kind of imagine that's not going to sit well uh, as time goes on with, uh, again, the religious and political elite of the time. But it is, it is what it was. And these manjis had a very specific purpose where the six were getting more in numbers, but the six, according to some writers, are also becoming stronger, really uh, living the lessons uh, being taught by the gurus. And uh, so the, the responsibilities being put onto the Sikhs are growing uh, since the time of Guru Nanak. And uh, the leaders of these manjis are, are being anointed as well. And so 22 manjis and his, um, uh, by Nabas Mahan Kosh has a listing of the 22 manjis and who the leaders were. Other uh, um, you know, texts also have uh, the different names. So the very interesting thing, once again, is in the Manjis, at least one of the texts that I have, uh, Principal Sabir Singh's book, Parbat Mehran, is the life story of Guru Amadas Ji, and he lists the 22 Manjis. And in there, at least I can uh, annotate, I, I did that there were two women who were given the, um, responsibility to be the leader of the Manji. And one was Maiseva. She was uh, sent to Kabul. So uh, Punjabi, it's written Kabul with Sikhi di Prachar lay Manji di Janavari Mili Maiseva nu. And another was Bibi Pago, Anand Pakti which Garund BBC, Kashmir which Sikhi Palan di Janavari Isnu Sompi Gesi. So in Kashmir was Bibi Pago and in Kabul was Maiseva. 
So do you think a lot of people knew that, about that, Manfred? Um, yeah, I don't think uh, a lot of people know, but I have heard that out of 22, four were given to women. You oh. know, I, I've heard of my das Bragi, my das my Pago, my Sevan, and I, I just know this from the lectures I hear. And uh, one was, and I, I know the names, and we don't, we might not have the exact, uh, you know, evidence or historical text to to back all this up. Uh, I'm thinking, but uh, you know, I think this was like huge back back then, just like widow remarriage. When I found this out too, uh, you know, he he walked the walk and talked the talk, and he gave, uh, you know, giving a woman leadership in Kabul at this time was, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think of that in a million years until Guru Amar Das uh-huh. did it. You know? Right, um, right. I mean, this is ama- ama- amazing. I mean, people think of miracles. This is like a miracle in itself that this happened right. and it was successful. Yeah, you know, um, the, the the status of women at that time, many of your listeners, our listeners would have probably read about it. But, I mean, if you really think about it, every uh, faith system, religious system at that time, you know, in the, in, in the Hindu context, you know, Manusimiti, has very specific injunction of how women are to be treated in uh, and and it's also in, in like muslim christian and jewish there's very there's different uh, you know how we say armariada there's there's different protocols for male versus female in in all these different faiths um and so it was it it was pervasive that there was a distinction what Guru Amardasi and all the gurus, right, so are, are looking at merit, are looking at actions, and thoughts are the ones that are the ones that guide our actions. So it was really Shabad transformed individuals, regardless of male or female, were given the opportunity, the responsibility, and the honor to be leaders, and, and that's what I think was the game changer. That it's not what sex you are, what gender you are, what what place in life you were born, what 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 region, what what uh, uh family background, it's really what the actions were were portraying. So it's regardless of, of gender, those that were worthy were given the honor. And 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 that continues to be all through the life of all of the gurus, uh something that, that is actually very, very distinct and very consistent in my opinion. I do. I do want to mention uh, Goindwal Sab. So, Guru Nanak Sab establishes Kartarpur. Um, Guru Nanak Sab gives direction to Guru Angadji after he gets the guruship to go and reside in Kadur in Kadur Sab, and, and that suddenly Kadur Sab starts becoming a center of Sikh Sikh affairs, uh, and growth of the Sikh population occurs over there. Guru or Baba Amar Das Ji and Guru Angad Sahib's encounter. By the way, so Baba Amar Das Ji meets with the Guru Angad Sahib the first time at the age of 62. He was in the seva of Guru of the Second Nanak for some say 12 years, some say 14 years. You know, let's even say it's 12 years. So now he's 74. He becomes Guru. Again, different texts will say different uh, things. The, the point you were making about, you know, the names of the, the leaders of the Manjis, I have also looked, and it actually differs from a few texts that I've looked at. But 
22 years of guruship is what is uh, ascribed to Guru Amar Das's guruship. So now you're talking about he, uh, he when he uh, bestows the guruship to Guru Ram Das, he, uh, he's 95 years old. So in 22 years, Goindwal was established kind of like it was it was like a swamp area and it gets transformed and becomes so but 22 years uh, not it takes but but is the development time that Guru Amar Das Ji and the Sikhs devoted to the to the prevalence of Goindwal uh, Goindwal Sahib is also mentioned in Gurbani Goind, Goindwal Gobindpur Sam so it's kind of uh, Goindwal or Gobindpur. It's all Gobind is is divine, you know, the 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 essence or the or energy of the earth. Uh, but it has to do with Ikunka. So it's it's the abode of Vaigru is what is kind of colloquially was being called at that time. But it becomes so powerful that people like Akbar and other rajas and many many stories about pundits and yogis coming to visit and um, wanting to, you know, kind of be seen or be known in Goindwal Sab. That's, that's how, how big in, in those days Goindwal Sab had become. It had become the center of learning as well. The most famous thing that everybody knows, but it has a little bit of, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know how that, that, that comes about, but some mysticism about it is the Bauli that was built in Goenwal Saab. So that Kapoor Singh writes, because he was an ICS officer, right, of, of, of uh, India. And India is very fond of these five-year plans, or back then at least it was, I don't know the context now. So these five-year plans of progress and building out infrastructure and all of this, and he goes... The Bali that was built in the time of Guru Amar Das Ji and Goindwal Sahib stands today. It's still firm, uh, and uh, you know it's not in tatters or it hasn't been destroyed, and it's always active. Hundreds of people visit it every day. You know it puts some of the five-year plans of India to shame, <laughs> whose infrastructure deteriorates after you know a few years. So. But the Bali that was built is uh, instead of a well that goes vertically down, straight, uh, you know, straight down, um, it's a, a more uh, descending steps going to uh, access for water. And Guru Amar Ji, where he understood the whole, um, understand that people were like kind of just infatuated with taboos of food, they were obviously also infatuated with taboos of water, right? Even in villages today, you know that, right? Is there's there's a well for the lower caste and the well for a higher caste. So he, Guru Amadasi, creates water access, which is a complete equalizer. And regardless of caste, regardless of social strata, access to water um, becomes a... Uh, you know, a central kind of uh, rallying point in the city of Goindwal as well, and that Bali exists today. The mysticism that gets inserted, uh, many have heard it's 84 steps, and somehow by doing Jabji Sab on 84 steps, uh, one is to get quote-unquote salvation. Um, I do not know the origin of that, uh, but um, you, you, you read some of the texts, and it is absolutely... The, the the our main idea around it is access to equal access to water and and breaking the the kind of inequality 
um, that that gets imposed on on the people of that time. No, I said I actually went there um, long, long time ago, and did, someone did tell me that. And I think someone was doing that where they were doing Jabji Sab on each one of the steps, I don't know, maybe to get salvation or something. And my parents told me the same thing. This was this was, long, it was probably like 20 years ago. And uh, so I do remember that. You're right. Now it just came back to me when I did see the Bali and all that. You're right. You're right. It's yeah. uh, It's an amazing uh, feat. Right. Right, and 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 that's not the the only one, right? When we get to the other gurus, water water access is actually a, a central theme of our um, architectures of of our different historical uh, uh, places because of that taboo. And what he's, the gurus are catalysts for change, and what they're doing is changing the age old mindsets that have been ingrained within within them. And, and speaking of change, let, let me let me shift a little bit back backwards to uh, Guru Amar Das's time of of meeting with his uh, his guru Guru Angad Sahib. I told you that Bibi Amroji was reciting Bani of Guru Nanak. He gets impacted. What does he say? He says, "Take me to your father." And as um, Bhaiveer Singh has it. Um, Macaulay has it in English of how, of that whole, you know, longing to go and meet and you know because of this this sensitive relationship. So so again in in the Punjabi context or even just generally in South Asia, if if you are the in-law, right of 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 your daughter, you're considered quote unquote superior. The the quorum of, of the girl side is is considered quote unquote inferior. So there's there's this whole social construct. That has to be navigated. So Bibi Amr takes permission from her father-in-law. Can I go back to my peke? <laughs> and and uh, and Baba Amardas can can accompany me. When he's when he when she arrives there, she takes permission from her father. Can I bring my um, you know my father-in-law's brother and uh, to come see you? And they meet, and he just completely disavows any social construct falls at the Guru's feet. Gurangan Sahib is, you know, doing the cordial relationship uh, thing, but uh, Guru Amardas insists and falls at the feet and is just mesmerized by his presence, has a conversation, and then it gets time for for the Langar. I recall you had some kind of question yeah. about well, that whole episode last time. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the teaser we left uh, people off with in the last podcast about uh, what happens when Guru Amar Das Ji, um, when it's the time for Langar and, uh, you know, Guru Amar Das sitting there, like you said, and he is a, a Vashnu. But, and the story is referenced, and the first time I heard of it, I heard it in a lecture, and then the, the reference was, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but in uh, Paivir Singh's Shriyas uh, Guru Chamatkar Part Two, maybe, and uh, I want to, and and so this, when this was referenced, I've heard about it, and when I read it, I was again flabbergasted and amazed that, uh, and I'll, I'll let you uh, tell the story. But you know, this the, just the perspective and what you always thought of as you grow as you were growing up, learning these stories or hearing stories from your parents but when you actually read the scholars of Sikh history and five years saying 
uh, I mean, people can argue, but he's one of the top five, I would say, uh, in, in Sikh history. Uh, when he references this story, this was amazing to me. Uh, just to the listeners, I mean, I think it's in that, I think it's in Shri Guru Chamatkar. Bunch of his audiobooks are on YouTube, so if you can't read Punjabi as well like me, you can definitely listen to it. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Indapreet. Right. Yes, it is from Shri Asguru Chamatkar. But again, remember, by Veer Singh's time frame is uh, 20th century, right? Ni- early 1900s. Um, and he obviously uses references of our more secondary texts, you know. Uh, and uh, the reference, as far as I can tell, is in, I had mentioned way in the beginning, there's these pr- genre of Prakash. So there's Pant Prakash, Suraj Prakash. There's another. A uh, book in that genre called Mehma Prakash. Uh, the authorship of it, of course, is <laughs> like a lot of our literature is quote unquote controversial or unknown, etc. Manuscripts are available, but uh, the first reference of this episode is found in there, is what most scholars believe in Mehma Prakash, right? So, but yeah, it's in Sri Askudu Chamatkar, it's in Macaulay's The Sikh Religion, so you have an English version of that same story. Uh, Principal Sadbir Singh references it as well. He sits in the sangat, uh, sits in the pangat um, for for langar, and this is the first meeting, right? And he's a Vaishnav all his life. He's 62 years old, and Pavir uh, Singh is very eloquent in his um, rendition of the story. He says, first the dal comes, then the roti comes, and then the mahaprasad comes. Mahaprasad meaning meat, so meat dish is being served. But as it's being served, he looks and Guru Amradas feels internally, Furnaaya, he's thinking that I'm a Vaishnav. If I partake in the meat, then my Vaishnav taram is brushed or my, you know, my, that, that version of my uh, religious life is gonna, you know, deteriorate. But if I don't, Guru Angadsa might see it as a rejection of his hospitality or his, you know, teachings that he's providing me and and that will, uh, so I'm, where am I going to be? And because, remember Guru Amar Das or Baba Amar Das Ji's, uh, you know, uh, kind of mood at that time is I'm, I need to get, I need to, you know, fall at the Guru's feet and, and, and you know, own a Guru, have a Guru that would, will guide me. So th- this turmoil is going within him, Guru Angad Sahib being Johnny John, um, ask the Sevadar to, you know, the new guest that is here, please don't uh, serve meat to him. You can skip him on, on the meat. Uh, and Guru Amadastian realizes that this is definitely the truth. His whole life is transformed, so much so that he says, food taboos are of no value to me anymore. I'm not, I do not need to be a Vaishnava when he partakes in the meat. Um, yes, so that is referenced there. And this is how I'll, I'll present this point, right? So the, the, the idea that the Sikhs have a food taboo of, of, of any kind, not in this modern day is this a big concern, meat, karna cheda, ne karna cheda, vegetarianism versus non-vegetarianism. This has been a, a topic probably since the beginning. However, our historical texts are replete with information that the gurus never had any food taboos whatsoever. Guru Nanak's life story, you will hear of him cooking venison um, uh, specifically. Again, 
the food episodes in, in, in Sikh history are, that were related to the gurus all had to do with a lesson to be taught. And that is of superstition or, or thinking that it is external, external, you know, aspects that have any matter in one's spiritual, uh, religious or political life uh, for that matter. This is Guru Angad's time. We also know of the story. We'll get to it when we talk about Guru Gobind Singh Ji and Banda Singh Bahadur's encounter. We also know from the story that, you know, the first quote-unquote Sarbat Khalsa was between the Bandai Khalsa and the and the uh, uh, Tat Khalsa and the way that everyone came back into the fold of the Tat Khalsa at Harmandar Sahib, Akal Tak Sahib, uh, it was to partake in pork soup. Uh, Teja Singh Ganna Singh have reference to that. So, so the meat issue is is replete within our history. But the point is, and I like this um, reference from Teja Singh, Professor Teja Singh, in that book that I had referred to earlier, the growth of responsibility in Sikhism. He references a uh, Shabbat from Maruki Var, but he has a footnote on that. He says, and this is I'm going to read it out. Uh, quote that. From the time onwards, there was no sanctity observed about eating and drinking among the six. May be gathered from the following story taken from the Dasbistan i Mazab, um, which, which is a well-known text that is uh, that has a commentary on six. And it says, One Pratap Mal, a learned Hindu, said to his son, who was inclined to turn Mohammedan, Muslim in this case, and the, the learned Hindu says, if you want to get freedom in eating, you may better join Sikhism where there is no restriction about food. So this is Maruki Var, was the Shabbat that was referenced. And it, um, uh, it, it, it had to do, this is the section of Guru Amar Das, of, of Principal Teja Singh's, uh, uh, you know, kind of short book called The Growth of Responsibility in Sikhism. My point I'm trying to make here is that we will see many episodes of the life of our gurus which are teaching us a lesson to not get hung up on what to wear, what to eat, what to read, what not to read, and, and, and where, you know, and forgetting the actual essence is mantu jyotra rupa apana mupachan, recognizing the divine within us, you know, and, and the, the, the externalizations of trying to recognize within us are not to be the means to the end. Uh, they are not the end goal. There may uh, sometimes be a means, you know, because because arguments can be made in this regard to our Panchkakar and to our other Maryada and Rath. Everything that I read about Guru Ji is making the Sikh stronger and stronger to avoid superstition and doubt and confusion and living in fear and, and you know, in, instilling within a sovereign self uh, that, that, that's devoid of, of, of fear and suffering. So it's very interesting. I understand about the meat issue, and this is a big discussion, continues to be a big dis- discussion. I think it will continue in the future as well. I think we, we miss in the arguments of what to eat and not to eat. We miss the actual message, what the guru is trying to tell us. Yeah, we do miss the actual message what the guru is trying to tell us that's why that's why in my perspective when i heard this story i take this story and i have my dad read it because he never has read it and i go and have my in-laws read it 
because they never read it. And it is more about superstitions and all this other stuff that you're doing, all these ritualistic customs maybe you, you're doing, maybe to get rid of that. And But I also like it because it does talk about the meat stuff because we, I, I know so many in my, at least in my generation, that get hung up on the issue or, or we just have disagreement, but there's no like factual basis. There's no like nothing to base on. And so I always like to give five years thing as a reference because uh, five years thing knows more than me, more than the person I'm talking to. I, I'm, I'm so happy that it was in one of his stories, uh, especially for Guru Amar Dashi. And I know we're coming to the end of this podcast for Guru Amar Dashi, but for me, like, you know, the way he changed his life at such a big age and he started giving away, like people can't give away their uh, customs and their little rituals and superstitions at age 30. And he started giving this all away in his late sixties, you know, and early seventies. So, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing for me, you know, when I listen to it, when I hear it, people always say, you can't change your parents. They're so old, they're stubborn in their ways. But I'm like, Guru Amar Dasri changed, you know, and it's a lesson for me too. When I have kids, and I'm older, and if I can't change, you know, they could always say to me, well, Guru Amar Dashi changed, why can't you? I don't know. It's just, it just uh, you know, Guru Amar Dashi, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, the professor wrote it right, you know, incomparable prophet. I mean, he did so much. I, I relate so much to, for some reason, I don't know, I'm very, uh, I relate to him a little more just because he 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 broke all of his, all of all the things that he was taught at such a late age and gave so much to you know the uh Sikhi. it's amazing and and uh you know to bring it back and you know at that moment where he had to make the choice of sitting down and this time it was me but it could have been anything for the love of the guru and to be like you're either with the world or you're with me you know which what you know what lovers say um, and he chose that he's going to be with the guru. So, you know, it's just so many lessons learned. And there, I know this podcast is, is is short because we could go on for like five hours talking about Guru Amr right. <laughs> and, and, and and what he did. This is amazing. Um, so right. I, I, love, I love that. Yeah, like I mentioned, uh, he, he, he originally meets or gets that desire to meet with the guru at age 62. For 12 years, he's in service of the Guru. We didn't talk about all his pre-Guruship period and all of the things that he went through that are lessons in themselves. After he became Guru, it's it's 22 more years. So he's at the age of 95 before he then does the tests for the Guruship of, uh, to pass on the Guruship to the next person, and he finds it in his in his son-in-law, uh, Guru Ramdasi, right? But but even so, so those are even the relationship, the, the relationship norms of those times, which we still have today. He's breaking those. He's breaking the the uh, the age, uh, you know what what one would consider normal in the in that kind of old age. Of course, you're stubborn and you don't change and you don't, you know. <laughs> but but his experience of life and and his. I mean, Goindwal's uh, became such a town that was so, like if if people would, the, 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 our oral tradition says that people would want to come to Goindwal Saab just to, uh, you know, like a fulfilling of their life life uh, dreams. Um, he, he had converted. There was no town in 
that area of Punjab known as Goindwal before Guru Angad Sahib and Guru, Guru Amar Das Ji. So within a span of like 30 years, it becomes a, like the go-to place. Um, this is an amazing aspect for me, and it's a sovereign place. It's, it's rules of the Guru is running in that town, not the rules of Akbar of that time. And and that thing is also happening parallelly in 20 other other places. So, yeah, you're right. We could go for another three or four hours on all the... Which amazed me, by the way, if someone wants to study Guru Amar Das Ji, there is no dearth of literature. Um, it's, there's in English, there's in Punjabi, there's in original manuscripts, and there are names of six that you guys, we, we all have never ever heard of and such powerful examples of how Sikhs are progressing at that time, as far as their devotion, their thought, their you know thought and lifestyle. Um, and Guru Amar Das he enables uh, that he you know does, you know Jin Manas De Devtiki. He's transforming. He's the catalyst to transform ordinary beings into godlike individuals, divine angel-like individuals, as they say. And um, um, uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm referring to a, a line in Asakiwa, Jin Manas Te Devte Kiye. I do want to bring one, one uh, it's actually a section of bodies from Anansan. Guru Amar Das Ji has told our eyes, how our eyes are, what, what way we are to view the world. He has talked to our, about our ears, as how, what type of things our ears should be listening to. And as far as taste in our mouth, by the way, so on, the, on the topic of meat, he says, e tu anras rahi, teri pyas na jai. You know, oh, your, the taste buds, doesn't matter what you eat, your, your thirst or, you know, your, your desire to taste things will not go away. Pyas na jai, palle na So until that, on your tongue and your eyes and your ears and your whole body, that desire to be, you know, to have recognized the divine within you, that is when the true transformation uh, will occur. And and that's what I think happened at that 62 years of age, that desire for transformation. Guru Amar Das Ji teaches us just sitting and hoping for quote-unquote salvation is not going to occur. It's an effort. It's uh, And... It's it's an internal transformation that has to happen in order to to, to um, embark on that journey, and uh, like I said, he gave us Anand. So that that journey in itself is going to be blissful. And Guru Amar Das's life, Guru Amar Das's Bani, teaches us um, to pursue that bliss, to pursue that Anand. Like I said, in the brief, we could uh, go on forever on Guru Amar Das. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Once again, um, I, I learned a lot from you and your research. Really appreciate it. I just want to close with the final thought of Guru Amar Dashi's theme. I know we have Guru Nanak, Guru Angad Dev Ji. And uh, so for Guru Amar Dashi, what is, what is our theme for him? Right. So by uh, Nanlal Ji's um, you know, core value for each Guru, Guru Amar Dashi is... is the one who espouses dignity or even equality, some have translated it as. So, which is very obvious um, in all of the work that was done for the empowerment of women, all of the work that was done in empowering all of the six of that time, bringing in institutions to 
I call it enforced equality, right? I mean, I, I know some people might take that in a negative context, but you know, institutions of Bali and Langer, you know, they're 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 conduit, they're, they're mechanisms to uh, espouse that egalitarian uh, lifestyle, and you know, kind of just diminish all of these hangups of caste and gender and you know social status etc that gets fallen on us so equality and dignity is Guru Amadasi's core value um, that, that he teaches us and Dupreet uh, appreciate your time appreciate your uh, research and knowledge on Guru Amadasi for everyone listening if you have any questions comments uh, please send them to info at sakri.org uh, we have our Twitter accounts in the episode uh, in the podcast notes uh, so you could either tweet us any questions there once again in the brief uh, thank you for your time and i'll talk to you when we talk about guru ram dasi next thank you um, this was this was a, a great episode i really enjoyed the discussion and yeah until next time thank you